Hello, and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today, we want to talk to you about getting your name out. So for the past couple of episodes, we've been talking about sort of focusing down on what your big idea is and why that's important and sort of crafting a message around that. And once you've got that together, it's time to start letting the world know about it, right? Exactly. So I think we've got, a uh, with the people we work with, we have a variety of techniques that we use to kind of, you know, get the word out, let people know that you exist, put put yourself on people's radar, particularly for the types of people who you're a best fit to serve and really starting to attract some business. I think it might make sense to talk about some techniques and some tactics and kind of that sort of thing. And then we can tell some stories about maybe how that's gone wrong for us in the past. <laughs> uh, is it is it okay if I kick it off? Sure. Go ahead, Jonathan. All right, cool. So when I'm working with folks, they're usually software developers of some kind. They might be uh, anywhere from like a new freelancer all the way up to someone who runs a dev shop, you know, maybe uh, a 10-person firm. And, and we do work strongly uh, at the beginning to decide what we have to say or what we want to say or what change we want to make in the world before we start to, you know, go out there and, and spread that message. So it's like, decide what you want to say before you start saying it. It makes perfect sense when you put it like that. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people I see, uh, never mind, see people I actually work with, they'll be like, yeah, we sort of blog and not really regularly, but we know we need to blog and, you know, and then I'll go look at their blog and it's, you know, one week it's about, I don't know, no JS. And the next week it's about, you know, email automation. And the next week it's about whatever the flavor of the month is. And then, you know, JavaScript framework. And then the next month it's about wearables and it's just, there's no cohesion to it. It doesn't, it's just going one inch in every direction. And it is kind of a schizophrenic, look into whatever happens to be interesting them that particular week or month or whenever they get around to it. Mm -hmm. So what I think is important is to have that core big idea nailed down, you know, understand what it is you're here to do. What's your area of expertise? What's some, some kind of, of central body that your work can orbit around. And then it can still be on different topics, but it all holds together. It, it, it creates like a solar system instead of just like a scatter plot. Mm -hmm. And once we're there, which I think, I think it's, I, I cannot overstate the importance of doing that first, but once you do do that, the next thing that I'll have people do based on their comfort with uh, each of these, I'll have them do a number of things. So if they're really comfortable talking, you know, they're, they have got a good speaking voice. They can put a sentence together. It doesn't freak them out. They don't have a panic attack when they imagine standing up in front of a room. I will have them uh, put together talks for conferences uh, where they would perhaps get paid. But usually when they're first starting out, they don't get paid so much. You know, they might get paid to go there and, and it wouldn't cost them anything. But um, it's not really a question of trying to make a living as a speaker. It's more like getting up in front of a room as Mr. Smart Guy or Gal and uh, presenting this powerful, cohesive message that you have and then attracting business. So it could be something like uh, it could be something like that. It could be something like presenting uh, webinars, free webinars once a month on their area of expertise. It could be guesting on podcasts or going on a, a podcast tour where you just go on podcast after podcast for a period of time. 
But not everybody's uh, comfortable talking to a microphone or in front of a room of people. So writing is really the other big one. And that would consist of, of course, blogging, also a mailing list. I'm a huge fan of mailing lists. Uh, you could write a regular column on either a popular uh, blog or in a traditional publication. Uh, you could write a book. Uh, that's sort of a that's a, a bigger undertaking. I think I almost don't I almost don't put that in this list because it's a different kind of it's like a it's a project unto itself. Mm-hmm. Whereas you know, guesting on a podcast not really a project. So those are the, those are the kinds of things that we usually look at, and I try to find two that usually hopefully one from each list that the person is comfortable with doing and can commit to doing. Uh, Usually I try to get them to commit to doing one of them a lot, you know, real regular, consistent, whether it's say once a week blogging, I I send an email to my list every single day, which I actually find easier than weekly, but some, you know, a lot of people are afraid to commit to that. So I'll get them to commit to a once a week, either blog post or blast to their email list. And, uh, and to, occasionally, you know, once a month, maybe once every couple of months, show up on a podcast. And, uh, and, and when the message that they're presenting is really cohesive, I've, it, it has this almost magical ability to create word of mouth about, you know, Jonathan Starks, the hourly billing is nuts guy. Like that's, you know, the whatever or whatever your thing is. So, okay. So those are some tactics kind of from my world. I'm curious what, what things you've found beneficial for your clients. Well, I, I think all of those are, are options. Um, I think, you know, the one thing that I do before that, which we sort of talked about on, on some of the, the other episodes is, is creating those sound bites. You call them core messages. So it's, it's, and, and it might be, you know, typically there's not more than 10 and 10 is arguably too many, This, but we talk different ways about different things. So if you have a core group of like five or six sound bites, you start to use those or variations of those over and over again. And I think that's kind of what helps you figure out which of those things you want to do. I mean, what I loved about the way you described it is that you have the talk category and the right category, W-R-I-T-E. And I hadn't really thought about it that way. Um, I tend to think about it as, you know, these are tactics. And for marketing and selling, I love to not have more than three tactics because it just gets too hard to do. And so what you've said is, you know, pick two and one you really, really commit to. I, I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't recommend that more. I mean, some of the things that the, that my clients do are things like the podcast tours. And those are easiest if you've got a book. Because, you know, you've got something very specific to talk about and, and they can come to you. I also see clients do a lot of speaking, kind of the way you described it and the way we talked about it in an earlier episode where, you know, you start out and you do these things maybe for free. Maybe they cover your travel expenses and they make sense for you because you're building relationships with potential clients versus a speaking career. But I've worked with other people who really want a speaking career. And so, and that's a little bit different focus, but a lot of times you still start with doing something for free and you have to decide when it makes sense to be in a room and how you get quote unquote paid for being in that room. There's a a guy I worked with once who said he refused to do a free speech unless the room was packed with 80% potential clients. And that almost never happened. 
So if he did a speech, it was paid. If he did consulting, it was paid. But he worked his way up to that point after he'd written two or three books on on his topic. Oh, that's so funny you put that. Yeah, I, I when I'm negotiating a, a speaking fee, because I've, I've spoken in a million, like I have a, over a hundred lanyards hanging on a hanger in my closet. <laughs> and I've done a lot of them. And it's been the full gamut of free to relatively well-paid, not crazy well-paid, but, but pretty well-paid, not like, you know, 30 or 50 grand, something like that, but respectable, uh, respectable. Right. And when I'm negotiating the fee with people, if they're, if it's, you know, if it's a 200 person conference and it's their first year or something, maybe I won't do it, but if for some reason I want to do it, we'll negotiate things like I'll say, well, okay, I'll do it. If I, I get the opening keynote or I'll do it, if I get the opening keynote and uh, you're going to video the whole, co- you know, you're going to video the talks and you're going to publish them for free and I can have the video to use on my site. Mm-hmm. So there are other promotional considerations that you can ask for, but it does boil down to is speaking my main source of income or am I really just doing it to get my name out there? And for me, it was always the latter. I just wanted to get my name out there. Mm-hmm. And honestly, this is reminding me a lot of the conversation I have with people about books. Mm-hmm. Like, are you trying to, are you writing a book? to make money from the book, or are you writing a book as a 300 page business card? And for consultants, it, it can make a lot of sense to write a book that's basically a business card because the, the gigs that you're going to get out of that are enormous. Well, yeah. And it's really hard to make money on a book. I mean, yeah, it's really, too. really hard. And I mean, do the math. If you sell, let's see, I, let's see if I can do this math in my head. So if you sell, let's call it 10,000 copies, because I can do the math better than for 20. If you do 10,000 copies and you're conventionally published, you maybe get $2 a book. So that's 20 grand. How many hours of your time did it take? How much is your time worth? Um, does it sell? I mean, you know, by itself, it's very hard and it's tough for especially, um, subject matter experts to sell um, 10 or 20 or 100,000 copies of their books. It's not an easy road. Mm-hmm. But if you if you create a business model around the book it drives and it drives your speaking career and you're getting 10 or 20 grand a hit, well, all of a sudden that book looks like a pretty good investment. Or you're, uh, you're setting up workshops and the book is the entree for somebody to come and spend, you know, $3,000, $5,000, $10,000 on your workshop. You're going to make that money back pretty fast. Right, right. But it is critically important to be clear on what's the purpose of the book or the speaking engagement. Exactly. Well, I think that's true of everything we're talking about is, is, you know, it's easy to say, oh, well, you know, you should speak more or you should develop an email list or you should do a podcast tour. I mean, it goes back to, you know, what's the core message? And then who's the best fit for that message besides your clients, right? So is it um, a set of podcasters? Is it a set of bloggers? Is it a conventional news source? Is it some kind of a local publication, which, you know, happens in some cases? Like, where is that that right place for you to be. Yeah. I mean, from a strategic perspective, most soloists, the the most media targets we can handle is five. That's the most. And when I say a media target, where you go through this process where you say, okay, here's my message. Here's the ultimate client or buyer audience I want to reach. And here are some of those publications. I'm using that word very loosely because it could be, you know, it's probably largely digital, um, but they might be some conventional publications as well. So you might say, well, gee, I want to be in the Wall Street Journal, or I want to be in the business journal in my city, or uh, I want to be on CNN. 
Um, but you start to, you know, think strategically about the best place for your message to be aired and then the best place for you. So you might say, gee, I really want to be on CNN as the talking head expert on X. Well, mostly we don't start on CNN. <laughs> we start somewhere else. <laughs> right. And so that's the thing is to really focus on, you know, your people, the people who have a similar message. I mean, I think, you know, in, in perhaps in both our cases, Jonathan, we're, we're part of this cadre of people who talk and write about consulting. And, you know, so, so we, we know each other. And so that that's a community. You start to build that. I mean, that's actually how, how you and I met to begin with. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I think it's, it's, that's the, the, it's, we just need to not forget the strategic part of sitting down and thinking about where our best sources are. And then I just love your idea of, you know, keep it simple, you know, one or two consistent tactics. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes overwhelming for people as soon as it gets bigger than that. One of the things that you mentioned early on that I'd like to loop back to real quick is the soundbite idea. Mm -hmm. Because I found myself kind of in my own work, I found myself kind of naturally doing that. Like I can feel one coming on. <laughs> like, oh, I, I'm working my, I can feel myself working my way to it, this thing that I tend to say. And, but the, the thing is, I never sat down and thought, okay, these are the these sort of sound bites I'm going to use, or these are the, the really easily digestible, distilled, uh, nuggets of this sort of, I don't like to, the, the problem I'm having talking about this is that sound bites, it, I, it has like a negative connotation to me uh, a little bit because it's kind of like within 24 hour news cycle and just sort of, it, it's like it's sort of a negative thing, but I see them as like little jewels that like of, of all the things that I think about and work on and have, have discovered in working with clients, they're boiled down to this like gem of an idea and it's power packed with, with a whole bunch of insights. Like when you unpack it, it's just, it goes a mile deep mm -hmm. and it's not just some like gimmicky, you know, alliteration that I use about a particular thing or some five letter, you know, acronym that is my five step proven process acronym. It's not like that. It's like these it's like these concentrated, but easily communicatable and shareable uh, versions of the idea. Well, I think, um, yeah, I, I agree with all that. And, and I think the way to think about this is that this isn't marketing speak. This isn't like developing a tagline. That's not how I see the sound bites. The sound bites are words you would actually say, right? <laughs> not something that sounds like some creative in a quiet room, you know, created them. It's got to be you. And and correct me if I'm wrong, Jonathan, I suspect the way that you get some of these is by talking about it, right? Yeah. They, I find myself, like, I feel it pop. Like I'll accidentally say it one time mm -hmm. and it pops and I'm like, and, and then I remember it, which is exactly why they're good because they're easily memorable, you know, they're memorable, but they have, they're imbued with meaning though. So then I can feel it coming up and then I do it a few times. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, this is the thing I say now. And it, and it connects with people where w the big difference between how you're describing it and, and what I'm describing is that I didn't think about it. <laughs> I just talk so much that it kind of, you know, like with, with hourly billing is nuts. I'm like, just sell your head, not your hands and people are like, Oh, you know, and you can unpack that. It turns it, you could turn that into a book that could be a book title. Mm -hmm. So I'm, 
I can't, I almost can't conceive of how to come up with them in advance. Like, how do you even sit with someone and, and work that out? Or is it a little bit more of an organic process? Well, in my own work, I actually don't sit with someone and work it out. I do it separately. So I've gathered a bunch of information about them. I've poured over everything. I mean, in some cases, you know, I've worked with people who've written multiple books and I've read them all so I can figure out, you know, what's there. And then I present them as a draft and then it's organic because then it's, oh no, I wouldn't say it that way. I would say it this way, but they couldn't get there on their own. You know, that's what, why they hire me. But but we all can get there uh, on our own on some level. It's just more organic, like the way you described it. And I, I have to be, you know, very transparent. That's how I've done it for myself. I, you know, I think about those things ahead of time. All right, wh- how does this make sense? But I'll come up with something when I'm talking to somebody or I'm on a podcast, a phone call, and it just sort of in the moment rips off my tongue. I write it down. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know. You forget them. Well, yeah. And, and here, here's a, an argument you could make too, is that part of that, to me, it's connected to developing your point of view. You know, your point of view as a consultant is, is personal to you, unique to you. And within that point of view are these sound bites. And that's where your book ideas come from or course ideas, because you start to develop these ideas like hourly billing is nuts. Right. And then you develop, I I call it a language. You develop this language that you start to use and you use certain words. Like you'll hear me say client avatar a lot and that, that I could unpack that and go very deep with that for a day if I needed to, but we all have them and organic is fine. It's not like you have to sit down. Boy, it sounds intimidating, doesn't it? Sit down and go through all of your ideas and trying to figure out what those sound bites are. Yeah, it's like it sounds impossible. But it's when you, you you talked earlier about your messages and the sound bites are in there. It's just shorter versions. And, you know, there's I think there's a, a challenge that that all of we sort of people who make a living from our expertise have, which is, you know, we can make things complicated because we know so much about our area. And if we want to explain 500 things when really the person needs a sentence, right? Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, for me, at least that's, you know, that's how I would go about it. Right. Yeah. That reminds me of, I, I don't know who said this, but it always stuck with me, which is that uh, if, you know, when you're, when you're addressing an audience, teach them what they need to know, not everything, you know, <laughs> There's a huge difference. Uh, people, uh, people, when they're getting started out, have a tendency to just want to brain dump everything they know about a subject, and that it's just you know blowing over the audience like hurricane winds is just like ah too much. Cool. So I, I've had. I know we've both had experience in the past where <laughs> I can think of one time I got the word out in a big way, and it 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 just did abs. It was such a missed opportunity. Uh, that I just thought it would be fun to share on this episode since we were talking about getting your name out. Let's hear it. Uh, yeah. In, in 2011, I was doing research for a mobile payments, mobile application project. So a company was thinking about supporting mobile payments in their chain stores and it was restaurants. And, and there really wasn't much out there back then. There was only really one that, and that was the Starbucks app and the Starbucks app, probably many people have seen it by now. You know, I suppose if you're not a Starbucks client customer, you haven't, but anyway, I, I had an iPhone and I had an Android phone. I carried two kinds of phones because I was always testing both of them. And Starbucks didn't have an Android app. 
but some days I would only have my Android phone. So I was like, I wonder, it's just a barcode in the, in the iOS app. I wonder if it's dynamic or if it's just the same one every time. It's just a picture. So I, I took a screenshot of it and I put it on my Android phone. And the next time I went into Starbucks, I paid with the picture of the app, which totally blew my mind huh. because at the, it doesn't even sound interesting now, but <laughs> at the time I was like, at the time it was shocking. So of course I blogged about it and I said, Hey everybody, here's a picture of my iOS app. Here's a picture of the barcode from my Starbucks app. If you go down to Starbucks right now, there's 50 bucks on the card and you can buy yourself a coffee. So like 10 minutes later, I'm getting notifications on Twitter that, uh, you know, Oh, you jerk. There's no money on the card. Ha ha ha. And I was like, what? And I checked and sure enough, dozens of people had immediately gotten up from their seats, <laughs> left where they work and went down And the first few people ran the card out. And I was like, God, I can't, I mean, I've re- I, at the time I had, I was that sort of terrible, you know, schizophrenic blogger. So I didn't have that many people reading my blog. I could not believe that that many people read a blog post and then took action in the physical world immediately. So I was like, oh man. And I felt really bad. I was like, no, no, no. I wasn't trying to trick you. I'll put 50 bucks more on it. Boom, gone. <laughs> so I put, I put 50 more on it and I was like, all right, you guys, I'm going to go broke, you know? So like we blew through 150 bucks in like 45 minutes. So one night I'm, I'm sitting at home. And I get a notification from the Starbucks app that somebody had put money on my account. Like I just get a notification that, oh, your, your Starbucks has been recharged. And I was like, what? I was just sitting there watching TV. So I got nervous because I figured somebody had hacked into, had guessed my Starbucks password because I called so much attention to myself, guessed it and logged in and was like adding money from my checking account to my card so that they could then buy Starbucks, basically embezzling money through my checking You're account. such a pessimist. <laughs> Uh, I was nervous. So uh, it turns out that was not the case at all. It turns out that it was one of my hacker friends who discovered that using the same barcode, you can add money at the register. So all of a sudden I was like, oh, wow. So I, I set up, a, you know, to make a long story longer, I set up a system over the weekend that would tweet out the balance of the card And I had like a little single page website that explained to people how to add money to the card and how to use money. So you could either pay it forward and put money on the card, or, you know, if you were in need, you could scan it to, to, you know, buy a coffee or sandwich or whatever. So I I won't tell the whole story. I'll link to the whole story in the show notes, but uh, long story short, I had in a, in like a five day period, it was on the front page of CNN. I was interviewed live on MSNBC. I was interviewed live a bunch of times on my local news. Uh, something like $20,000 went through the card. Uh, I, was, I had a million hits to the webpage in one week. And, and to the point of this episode, I, got, I made $0 <laughs> from this. I No, no long-term, like nothing, no business came out of it. I mean, I, I often joke that if I had just set up like a cafe press t-shirt with the picture of the card on it, I'd be a millionaire now. But uh, the the thing was, the, the, the reason I'm telling the story is because that is hands down the most, the most get the word out thing I've ever done. I mean, I was, you know, for a week, there was a, con- a controversy happened, of course, because of course that's going to happen. And for a week, it was like the talk of the internet, or at least it felt like it to me. So but there was no, but that's not enough. Like just to, just to make a splash to have a, you could think of it as a gimmick almost like, Oh, this thing went viral. 
there's no, there really, honestly, there really wasn't a great way for me to have capitalized on it if, if I was going to, but getting the point is getting the word out, even if it's in a really big way is not enough. If there's no message, if there's no underlying core idea, if there's not something that you're trying to change about your customers or your ideal clients and, uh, and there was nothing, there was no, nothing to sell. There was like no, no re- really, it was just nothing, you know, it, I don't know. It was, it was weird because I got in by far a hundred, maybe a thousand times more press than I've ever gotten in my whole life. And, it, and that's the kind of thing you're shooting for. Like now right. I have a book, right? I'm, I'm trying to get press all the time about the book, but it, you know, now, uh, I'm, I'm not getting, of course, millions of hits on my website every week. And, uh, and yet I'm selling the book. So it's kind of like having, a having a, um, getting the word out for, for the sake of it, you know, for the sake of attention or, or just accidental isn't really helpful. In fact, it was, it was pretty stressful <laughs> for quite some time. Yeah. I don't know. I, it, it's just, it's, I think that all, my point is that all the pieces have to be together. You have to be trying to change someone. You have to be, it, be intentional about it. This was a complete mm-hmm. accident. Mm-hmm. So if you're intentional about it and you've got, of course, you probably are trying to attract clients and not just make news, then you're going to have a way to convert that traffic back into a uh, business. Yeah. It has to be related, right? Mm-hmm. But it's, it, I'm fascinated by that story because it's, I can't tell you how many people will say to me, I want my idea to go viral. Yeah, exactly. What does that mean? And first of all, anybody who tells you they can do that and guarantee it, it, you know, run, you know, don't walk away, run away from that person and save your money. And then the, the flip side is part of what's so appealing to the media about that story is that there's a there's a, a kernel of good in there, right? It's for people in need to get a free coffee for people not, you know, pay it forward. And people love that. It's a happy story. Yeah, until they turn it into the dark story, which they inevitably did. Well, that's, yeah, there are trolls. <laughs> and they're in major media. <laughs> rags to riches, back to rags. That's the story. Well, I have to tell you, you know, I had something, it wasn't viral uh, by any means. But so when, when I had my my first business, we'd been in business for, I think, a couple years at that point. And so, you know, we had regular clients and things were rolling. And so, you know, I decided to invest in a publicist. And the idea was to help us build authority as as experts, primarily locally and in sort of the Midwest region. We were based in Chicago at the time. And so in the course of talking to her, she said, well, what's your dream publication to be in? And I said, oh, I'd love to make the cover of the Wall Street Journal. So, um, I mean, seriously, you know, she was trying not to laugh, but, you know, here we were, this little tiny company. Well, two months later, there we were. On the cover of the Wall Street Journal. Yes. They profiled us as one of three small firms. Uh, They they said we were making waves. It had to do with the way we organized ourselves. And, And I worked primarily with MBA moms at the time. So I was beside myself. I saw this article. I was like convinced that clients were going to beat a path to our door because they talked about us, like what we did and how we worked. And it's hard to get a story like that in any publication, never mind the Wall Street Journal. Well, the article was syndicated, you know, over time. So it showed up in, I don't know, 40 or 50 local city newspapers. So I spent the next six months getting requests from consultants all across the country who wanted me to hire them. 
Um, you know, not <laughs> a single client, not even one. And, you know, it, you know, it was an early lesson for me that, you know, you, you focus on your end goal. This became, for me, it became about my ego because I was really excited to be there. But it, I mean, it was the opposite. All I did was, was um, talk to people because, you know, I wanted to be kind and you never know who's going to be a client in the future. So I probably had, oh, I don't know, 60, 70 phone calls, something like that. That was, you know, pre, pre-internet. So it was, it was a lot of work with very little results. Very little. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's the same thing. It's like you, you end up with this huge... Uh, I don't want to say time suck, but it, but it's a distraction. It turns into a distraction. Exactly. And it's not uh, it's not productive. So. Well, you know that word. That's that's a really good word, Jonathan. Distraction. Because when I think about you know being a solo, one of the challenges is you can get distracted by a lot of different things. You can get you can have your agenda hijacked by somebody else. And I'm not talking about clients. I'm talking about somebody who comes to you and says, "Oh, let's do this together." But it's not part of what you're really trying to do. What your strategy? It's easy to get waylaid to get distracted to get hijacked mm-hmm. yeah that happens to me not all the time but regularly you know people pitch me on hey you know i saw what you're doing on linkedin and i'm trying to do something similar for you know a different industry and but you're the kind of thinker that we need <laughs> what about partnering i'm like yeah and I'm like, no, no, thanks. And they're like, and, and then it becomes this personal thing. Like, oh, you don't think it's going to work? And I'm like, no, it's just not, I'm already doing something else. Like, well, I think you get all defensive and it's, it's, if you, once you become, you know, if you do show up in a highly visible place, like the front page of a major newspaper or, uh, you know, on CNN on a rotation, then you, that stuff comes out of the woodwork. Mm-hmm. It, all of a sudden, you're you're way your head's way above the crowd, and people start throwing rocks at it. Uh, <laughs> and never mind just like distracting you. So a lot of people are there to show up to tear you down. And you know, anyway, yeah. it, it's uh, it's something to be entered into. Like trying to get your get your name out isn't like like more is not necessarily better. You know, like right. for example, it, you could become insanely popular with a group who you don't want to serve or doesn't have the money to afford you. And that, you know, and it's just like not a good fit. So it, you need to be very, I, I think, or at least I advise people to be almost surgical in their efforts to put themselves in front of the most highly qualified audience of buyers that they can at, at every turn. It doesn't need to be a billion. It just needs to be, you know, you can probably, most of the people I work with can only handle five or 10 clients in a year. You know, so if you focus on dentists and maybe there's a hundred thousand dentists in the U S you only need a fraction of a fraction mm-hmm. of a fraction of that. Exactly. So you don't need to, you don't need to be, you know, take out a Super Bowl ad. It doesn't make sense. Right. It's easier. I mean, the easiest thing you could do, and we didn't even talk about this in terms of getting your name out. You could just call people. You could just connect with them on LinkedIn and message them directly. It doesn't even have to be like a broadcast thing. That's exactly what I was thinking about. Do you remember how we met, Jonathan? So you you kept giving my you kept tweeting my stuff and giving my name out, and I finally decided, who is this Jonathan Stark guy? I have to talk to him, and here we are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't even know. I don't know how I first heard. I honestly don't. Someone probably shared a link with me, and I was like, oh yes, like you know, it was would have been to your blog. 
And they're, we're just very like-minded about many things. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, this is good stuff. And I, I'm just a big fan of like, I, I, I don't really believe in competition. I, I'm just not, I don't, I don't see that as a thing in the world. The world is so huge, you know? So I, I see it, people like us and, and others, like I had a similar conversation with Blair Ends recently where it was like, well, we're, you know, kind of, kind of in the same space. And I'm like, dude, we're on the same side. <laughs> we're not, we're not enemies. We're allies. So he was like, amen, brother. So that's, that's, I don't know. I don't know how we went down that hole, but, uh, but it's true because the, the, oh, right. The outreach. So it was just tweeting your stuff and you're like, huh, who's this dude? You know, I, I find that the way that I describe it to people, like, you know, soundbite alert is that you just try to, you like outreach and marketing and all that stuff. To me, it boils down to just try to be helpful as, you know, just be helpful. So, you know, if you find some article that you think is amazing, even if you wish you wrote it, tweet the thing. Right. 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 If you, if you see somebody's, you know, if you, um, let's say, well, let's say you're me. If you see somebody has a horrible mobile website, just yesterday, I was trying to order 24 days of tea from David's Tea's website and the add to cart button, kind of an important button on an e-commerce site, just flat out didn't work on mobile. Every time you, every time you tapped on it, it said, your cart is empty. I'm like, I know I'm trying to fill my cart and press it. Your cart is empty. So, you know, I, th- uh, I didn't do it, but I could, that's a, the kind of situation where I would email David's T and be like, Hey, you guys, you probably don't know it, but <laughs> if you're wondering why your mobile sales are down, it's because your add to cart buttons don't work on iPhones. <laughs> You know, and just help people. And then maybe in my signature line, it says, you know, I am mobile consultant or whatever. You know, it's not really what I'm doing these days, but, but that's the kind of thing where you can just like, that's outreach in a sense. It's getting your name out there, even if it's sort of narrow casted to a single individual. But it, it's personal. And I go back to the word allies. So maybe that's our theme. Our underlying theme today is that um, there are more allies out there than you can possibly imagine. And when you get clear on your message, you know, your big idea, your message, and kind of who your people are, there are allies there. You just have to find them. And just sometimes just a one-to-one conversation, uh, whether it's by phone or sometimes email, I mean, that's that can be all it takes. Yep. Yeah. If you stand for something, then people are going to be attracted to that. The right people. The, the thing. Not, they'll be attracted to the fact that you're standing for something. And, and some people will be attracted to the particular thing that you stand for. And it has a powerful magnetic quality that is hard, hard to do justice. I mean, it's amazing. So like people just come out of the woodwork to, to help you, mm-hmm. to be your ally. Yes. But you have to stand for something. Exactly. You can't be everything to everyone. You can't be good at all things. It's really hard. I'm sort of, I'm sort of, uh, I'm usually beating the drum against being a generalist these days because it's difficult to not because it's bad it's just not effective at building a business it's just really hard way to build a business is to be a general you know sort of jack of all trades and and honing down onto particular purpose in life i mean this is where it starts to get get gets a little tony robbins but you know you gotta stand for something at at the end of the day i keep saying that because it's it kind of like encapsulates all the things like you maybe you stand for accessibility on websites you, you believe that it's a fundamental human right that you should be able to that anybody should be able to access pages on the web or 
it could be it could be a million things and and if you do take a stand perhaps tick some people off because you probably will mm-hmm. um, the people who aren't ticked off are going to you know sort of applaud your courage and do what they can to help you so it, it's just i mean talk about getting your name out there it's 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 actually really it's probably easier than ever to get your name out there like in a technical sense but there's so much noise now because anybody can put anything everywhere that I think to distinguish yourself, like I'm, even though I give this advice all the time, it's taking on a deeper meaning now that we're talking about it. I'm like, it's kind of a prerequisite for anything to make a, to make any kind of splash, to make any kind of difference, to do, to, to do anything, you know? So it's like, there's so many trees falling in the woods and no one can hear them. Like it, it needs to resonate somehow. Your, 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 your thing needs to resonate with people. Well, it does. It, it's both easier and harder than it's ever been. I mean, it's easier because anybody can do it. Anybody that has a, not even a computer, who has a phone, you know, that has, you know, a phone connection, even you can do it. Um, but the trick is um, you find out the charlatans or the, um, as my Texas husband would say, the guy who's all hat and no cattle. Um, you find You find those people, you know, those people get shushed out a lot faster than they would otherwise. So it's, it's getting in there and then having a, I, I like how you said it actually having something that you stand for. It's that big idea. And then the, how you operate, you'll find the right people. The right people will be literally magnetically attracted to you. It's like, you almost can't get them off you <laughs> in a good way, in a good way. Yes. Yeah. I, th- I think we're dangerously close to getting into an episode of authenticity and, and this sort of trail that you leave around the internet and all that stuff. But but so I think for today, we could probably probably wrap up for today. Yeah. So we've talked about a bunch of tactics that people can use. We've talked about focusing down on just a very, very small number of them, perhaps only one to be really avid with, and then maybe a, another one or two to kind of flesh it out uh, and be experimenting in other areas. But but really, the critical thing is to to have something to say, have your name stand for something you know, before you, it, before you start to get it out there, it'll just make, it just makes everything easier. It does. Focused. Cool. Do we leave anything out? Should we, anything else to wrap up? No, we practically started another episode. Yeah, almost. All right, cool. So that's it for this week. This is the business of authority and we hope you join us again next week. Bye.